Hello, welcome to the New Business Diaries, brought to you by the IPA's New Business and Marketing Group. My name's Gemma Batsby, and in this series, we'll be speaking to some of the biggest names in our industry on the hot topics within the new business world. Today, I'm on my way to Centaur Media to interview Suki Thompson, Oyster Catcher's CEO and founding partner. I'll be asking her about the new pitch models and how they're going to impact agencies. Today I'm at Centaur Media, home of consultancy group The Oyster Catchers, and delighted to be joined by Suki Thompson, CEO and founding partner and on the ex-co for Centaur. Suki, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jamal. I'm delighted that you've joined us here. So today we're going to be talking about new pitch models and what they mean for agencies today. Suki, you are one of the most accomplished people in the business when it comes to agency client partnerships. Just really in general, how many pitches do you think you've been involved in over your career? A lot, a lot, because actually before I was a consultant and intermediary, I used to be a new business director in agencies. So I did work out, since I set up Haystack and Oyster Catchers a number of years ago, I'd sat in 10,000 chemistry meetings. Wow. Which is a lot, isn't it? And it's that was a, a few lot. years ago, so yeah, loads. Perfectly placed to comment on pitching and the new models and how we progress. Um, I'm going to go straight into it and ask you, what advice do you give to clients here at Oyster Catchers when they come to you and ask you to help them find an agency? We ask them a question, which is why. Why do you want to go to pitch in the first place? Because, and I do see a real difference in this now, it used to be that clients would simply pitch their agencies because they were used to doing it. It gave them some profile in the business. It's a quick win for them. Um, increasingly, actually, what clients should do is use the pitch process to make something happen that's different inside their organisation. So if we can understand why they're doing it, it's much easier to make sure that the outcome is going to deliver whatever it is that their objective is. So if pitches today have a much more transformative effect, ideally, on their business than they perhaps did in the past where it was just something they did every 18 months. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I honestly think if you are just changing agencies because you can't be bothered as a client or you know to make an, a client agency relationship work, you shouldn't be pitching. And what do they fear? What's on their mind? What's, what's troubling them when they come to pitch? It's a big risk for them, presumably. I guess ultimately their job. You know, um, which, which, which will be so many different bits of that, won't it? Which is they have a big objective to meet. And it might be a transformational objective. It might be an increase in creativity. It might be, you know, they've got it. They're trying to get to grips with digital data, whatever it is. Ultimately for them, they are trying to make a difference. And they will have some KPIs that they need to meet. And they will think that changing the agency is more likely to help them get there quicker, more effectively and more efficiently. And I suppose you've got started to answer my next question, which is why, in your opinion, is the pitch such a widely adopted model? Why not just have a meeting, take some recommendations, look at their previous work like you would for someone renovating your home? It's a great Great question, isn't it? I think, you know, uh, the, one of the things I love about the series Mad Men mm -hmm. is it gives us a little bit of an insight back into what um, advertising agencies used to be like and, and all other agencies, therefore. And it absolutely was, you know, particularly even when I started in the industry, um, pitches sort of happened, but mostly you just gave the business to your mates. And it's simply not acceptable to do that anymore. 
is one. You know, so there is definitely for a lot of clients, and particularly if you look big, big pitches, we've just done Camelot and F1 and, and Virgin, you cannot simply move business into an agency on the whole. Uh, governance reasons and all of that. I think also it's a much, much more complex market now. So for a lot of clients, the solution isn't as straightforward as I need a new ad agency or I need a media agency and a digital agency. Um, as you know, all agencies offer a much broader cross-section of capability and resources now. Uh, the industry is changing dramatically and it's really hard to know what actual agency is going to be able to meet those needs. Which is why you see pitch lists um, changing in their dynamics so much compared to what they used to, which was very much similar agencies of the same type. And now suddenly you're seeing technology companies on the pitch list and consultancy groups on the pitch list. So it's really blown it open, hasn't it? Oh, completely. I mean, I, you know, I talk a lot about the kind of the dichotomy of the industry at the moment. And if you're sitting there as a client, it is extraordinary, isn't it? Because you've got, um, on the whole, smaller budgets needing to do a greater job than ever before. You absolutely don't have to just go with big agencies, you can use small agencies. You need to be able to do, often for big brands, big advertising, creative, very expensive advertising campaigns, but also you need to be able to cruise, create outstanding social campaigns with maybe hardly any money at all and hardly any budget. So you've got to do all these different things simultaneously and get to the right outcome. So for me, I, I do think it is the most challenging and the most exciting time that we've ever seen. Yeah, and I think for agency groups, especially there's a challenge now, which is to how do you give clients the best talent from across your group of agencies and how can they cherry pick and even I think for some clients now, how can I cherry pick talent from different agencies, maybe completely unconnected, and bring them together, which is interesting in itself and another challenge for the industry? I think it is a challenge for the industry, and I, and I do think that, you know, I, I um, have worked with McDonald's for a number of years, and I still lead the, the conversation and the relationship that I have there with them. And um, they have a three-legged stool, which is how clients, agencies, and um, the franchisees work together. That's what they call it. So they have client, client people, all the suppliers and all the franchisees and they do amazing things to bring those people together. And part of that is a very focused uh, performance evaluation between the client teams and the agencies. And they have actually a relatively traditional roster but they really concentrate on making that as effective as they possibly can. Now those agencies don't all come from the, on the same agency group but they do have to work really, really collaboratively together. And I think that that is really important and that's a really good thing to do. My worry is that when you read what P&G are trying to do, where you've got similar disciplined agencies, particularly, so take the advertising agencies for example, and they are now meant to work in collaboration together. Personally, I think that's fundamentally wrong. I think it absolutely doesn't understand the way that one human nature exists. I don't think it understands the way that agencies work and actually I think it's really harmful for the industry. Now I don't know the detail of P&G and let's see you know whether uh, Mark Pritchard's view will actually come to fruition and it will make a difference but you know if I was a betting person I don't think that will work. However putting agencies from different disciplines together and working collaboratively whether they are or aren't within a group is really really important. So let's come on to the modern marketing pitch. 
Um, you launched, Oyster Catchers launched this in March this year. We did. Um, what prompted this initiative? Well, do you know what? We did a club event about 18 months ago um, in, in the July time, and it was about how do you find and create the perfect pitch. And we had you know, our normal 200 agency chief execs and, and client CMOs along. And they all actually came up with a lot of reasons why the pitch process isn't really great. Now, of course, for all the time I've been in the industry, agencies would love to not have to pitch. Of course. And, you know, clients would sometimes just like to give. And, you know, Tesco's was an example when they simply changed with no pitch. But we've gone through that, why that's not possible. But definitely, um, you know, I I and, and my colleagues just thought, it's about time we had a look at this. We spent the next year really sense-checking it. Um, and then actually we did some work with Gray on what they could do to help us understand how we could change the process. And as part of that, we got a number of agency people together, a number of clients together, and we, we hot-housed a process to, to, to try and sense-check which bits could we really, really change. So I suppose it's trying to get the best of all worlds a new modern pitch for the modern agency landscape and the new client challenges, the right amount of governance for clients to feel that they're not only doing what they need to do from their company perspective, but they have the due diligence to feel confident in a decision, and then finding a way to let agencies shine in all of that complexity. Completely. Do you know, agencies shine and clients shine, because we know that the way that clients get amazing work from agencies and it starts at the pitch process is they've got to really concentrate on being as brilliant as they can and really articulating you know what it is that they want agencies to do and then you're going to get an amazing process and more importantly the right outcome. So you described the modern marketing pitch as more agile, inclusive and transparent. What differences in the expectations and the process do agencies see compared to how they might pitch today? So the timing, let's start with the timing one. I think increasingly pitches were getting longer and longer and longer. So that's standard three months. I mean, it's, it's what we say, clients say, how long is it gonna take? We say, well, minimum three months. And actually you look at it, it doesn't have to be three months. And if you think about, I mean, three months, that's a quarter. So a quarter of the year of a CMO's job is gonna be taken up finding a new agency. I'm not sure anyone has the time to do that. Also, I'm not sure it's great for agencies. And agencies came back to us and said, do you know what, if we focused it in a shorter amount of time, it might be slightly more painful, but we think we'll get the result faster. So, cut the number of weeks, and we're now looking at sort of six, eight weeks. Um, Then you've got the RFI process, which is the most controversial. I can see you screwing (laughs) into your face. Um, RFIs, and you know, and I see this more in the States even than in the UK, where RFIs are so long. You know, we love working with procurement, we work with them all the time, and there is some great piece around, you talked about governance, they are brilliant at doing that, and it is important, and it's really important for agencies and the industry to be really transparent. So the, the financial part of running the relationship is critical, but that is increasingly different from the other part and that, so what we try to do is separate the two of them. And you know, we know agencies really well. We spend all our time with agencies. Um, and for us, we felt it was much better to use our time and the insight that we have in agencies to help the clients understand what the long list might look like. And as you say, 
there's so many different kind of variations. So you don't need to go through 20, 30, 40 agencies at the beginning and go to all those agencies and ask for their credentials in an RFI in a really, really long one. So what we're trying to do is cut that piece out, understand the governance piece anyway, and then go to agencies and just ask them three questions. And we choose the right questions for the client. And what we've done in the last few pitches is get the agencies to do a little film that shows the very best of themselves. And we put that alongside all the information that we know about the agencies, and we discuss that with clients in a lot of detail so that we're getting to the longer list. So then what changes for the clients and their modus operandi? How do they have to alter any kind of expectation or behaviour? Well, what we start off with is the brief. And what we try and do is get the brief written right up front. Because increasingly, um, clients kind of go into pitch processes often and they haven't really worked out internally what they want the outcome to be. So we're very clear about, at the beginning, what is the objective? So when we're even going into market, we know what the objective is and we know what the outcome is. What we then do with the client is we use the first stage of going to see some agencies to really hone that brief. So when we get down to the last agencies that are just doing the final pitch piece, they have a very clear brief, but it has been developed by some of the learning that we've got from going to see those agencies. That seems to make a lot of sense. Kind of almost working together as part of the pitch process versus taking a sit, sit back and wait to see what we get shown approach. Completely. So the other thing that clients said was, and agencies, we work in collaboration with our clients. One of the problems with the pitch process is, you know, a client comes along, briefs you, wanders away for a few weeks, then comes back maybe for one tissue meeting, and then we're there at the pitch. That's not collaborative. It's not the way we work anymore. And we want to try and create much more of that in the pitch process. And that brings me on quite nicely to the conversations happening in the US, which you've touched upon already. They are also looking at replacing the RFI. They are also talking quite specifically about a return to focusing on the team and their thinking, uh, rather than just producing stuff as a show, which is exactly the point you've just articulated. That really changes the skill set, doesn't it, for pitch teams then? Um, it's not actually about the shiny showmen and the uh, ad people. It's actually about getting under the skin of the thinkers and the collaborators in your agency. I think it is. I think we have to be careful, though, because um, actually at the, the final bit, um, you still need to have those people who are senior in your agency that are very experienced and can persuade relatively quickly clients to understand and articulate and storytell. So, you know, I don't think we're ever going to get away from, you know, the importance of a little bit of show theatre, but you're right. What it does enable is those other people who really do know how to do the job and that get involved um, can shine through the pitch process. Is it your hope then that the modern marketing pitch will impact more broadly than on the larger retained pitches? I'm thinking of our member agencies who are smaller or who perhaps are more used to running six to eight week pitches. Um, do, can they expect some changes from their clients as a result of this? Yeah, I think they can. I mean, I think it's like everything, isn't it? If you get better practice at that very big senior level, it will filter through. Um, my worry on the smaller pitches often is the, is the briefing's not good enough. You know, clients do not spend enough time on writing a brief. And we find it all the time. We train clients more in creative brief writing and creative understanding of output, not necessarily the creative work, but creativity in its broadest sense, uh, because often they're just not good enough. And 
when you get outside those big clients and big agency relationships, it's even worse. So I hope that part of this Pritch process, and again, concentration on it, shows clients it's really, really important to get it right. From a client's perspective, I would imagine that when you're faced with, um, when you know you're doing a brand campaign and you understand what it is you're trying to achieve, it could be said to be simpler to get to a brief that you can pitch against. For some clients, perhaps in a below the line discipline where they're trying to marry data, technology, creativity, internal ways of working, what they need agencies to demonstrate is actually quite complicated and you can see why writing a single-minded brief that can help an agency shine and demonstrate ability can be quite difficult. It's really difficult. It is really difficult and you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, the work that we do, um, the, the bid is much more complex, is all of those areas. Running a really big advertising pitch is important because often the chief exec and the managing director of a brand wants to be involved but it's not that complex in terms of you know the thinking and the way it all comes together uh, you're, you're, you're really right and I think you know one of the things that we see increasingly happen is the use of technology is helpful you know you can you can reach agencies in different ways um, you know everyone has a website now there's there's more kind of content that agencies produce and I think understanding that is really important and really helpful um, and I, you know, I still think it is beholden on people like us to really help those clients fine tune and, and make it as good as they possibly can be. And maybe there's a role for agencies there, especially those in the more um, complicated disciplines to sort of walk the walk as well as talk the talk. So in the c cases where you can sh shine through your work that you see on outdoor campaigns, that's great. But for agencies whose work isn't necessarily in an outdoor campaign, what's their marketing efforts and how can they demonstrate ability through their own shop window so to speak for me things like case studies case studies are so important aren't they you know being able to create content um, create maybe podcasts maybe um, any form of storytelling about what they do I think is really important finding ways to market I do think you know look I come from a, now in a media environment I'm amazed that agencies don't actually actively use a lot of our routes to market much more. It's such an obvious thing. God, if I'd known when I was working in agencies, and the world's different, but you know, I would absolutely have used all those kind of media resources going to market. Um, I also think that obviously uh, events. You know, we've got a, we've got a real focus on events now. We have our club, but there's loads of brilliant stuff in the marketplace now. Getting people who are really prepared to speak, who are interesting, but actually don't just actively sell, because I think there's a, there's a really fine balance, isn't there? I am slightly bored of going to events where agencies stand up and tell us how brilliant their agency is, rather than communicate the thinking, tell us the stories of the brilliant stuff that they've done. Um, that is much more compelling and interesting to me, and I know it is to clients. It's the old, don't tell me you're funny, tell me a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, does this mean then that the way that clients uh, evaluate agencies in a pitch has got to change? And if it is, how do agencies get ready for that? Well, I think the, the bit up front that is interesting, and, and you've just touched on that, is the way that clients now understand and look at an agency is, is much more kind of multifunctional, isn't it? They, of course, we talked about the reason that we don't need just an RFI is we might look at websites. We will bring to them 
stuff we've found on LinkedIn from an agency, stuff that we've seen in the press, stuff that we've got from themselves and their films. So, it, so we're trying to bring a kind of multimedia place because the way that agencies communicate will we'll tell the clients how good they are at helping themselves. And it's why you know we have these awards where we talk about how amazing agencies are and what they do because clients do say, I want agencies that can market themselves like we need to market ourselves. So that's the one that's one thing. Um, I think also it, it is about when they go through the process, how collaborative can they be? How can they get to work with the agencies? And you know, one of the things I've always said, and I think it's more true now than ever to an agency, is just be yourself. Don't try and be something that you think the clients want you to be. Um, and that is absolutely, it is like going on a first date, isn't it? You know, or, or, you, you see it all the time, you hear all these stories, and um, what's, it, what's that um, app called, you know, where you swipe Tinder. left and right? Tinder, right, so my daughter, 20 years old, I don't think she's on Tinder actually, but they all look at it and they love it. It's, it's a bit like, you know, you see the picture, you swipe on it, and then you go and see the person, and they don't look anything like they did in the picture. <laughs> it's just not helpful, is it? So we like it when we go and see agencies, and they are true to themselves. They might be, you know, dressed up to their best on their first date, and their second and their third date, but, but that's what we need to, to, to still be. And clients should do that too. And so you still recognise the agency that you wanted to meet when you actually get to meet them in person? Yeah, and I think that goes back to your point about transparency a little bit. So it, agencies actually can't just put their best RFI together or even the best film that they can make together and send it in and hope that that's what you're going to be judged on because actually it's going to be your website and your event platform and your storytelling and your LinkedIn profile, you know. And So there's a real call to action for agencies to really get their put their best foot forward and let the cobbler wear the shoes as well to an extent. Great expression. Absolutely right. Yeah. Mm. Um, another trend from the US that I wanted to touch on was the idea of paying agencies to pitch. It's always a controversial subject. Um, and now, according to one consultancy group, the Burnett Collective, uh, about half of his clients pay fees ranging anywhere from a few thousand dollars for travel and meals up to about $40,000. Do you think the UK is going to see any increase in paid pitches? It's interesting, isn't it? I um, So I think in the States, you have to remember that invariably pitches in the States, the travel costs are, are much more significant. So they're in multi-markets. And so you know we would never do a pitch, which is a um, global pitch with clients and not get travel and, and, and that included. We don't, we would never let that happen. Um, actually, about half our clients pay agencies. It is still about half. Um, it is only a few thousand pounds. It will never cover the total, the total cost. I think what we always promise is that the shortlist is a shortlist. It's not, uh, you know, when you get down to the final level, it is three, maximum four agencies, and we don't let it go beyond that. So I think, and we run a really proper and fair process, and we, you know, we're spending all our time trying to do that. So I hope, and I think we get this feedback, that agencies and clients believe that we run a really good process, as do other intermediaries. So, um, so I don't think it will radically change, but I think it is beholden on agencies. If they are not getting paid, it's a rubbish brief. They have no access to clients. They're made to pitch online. Don't do it. You've just, you know, agencies are grown-ups. They can say no, and agencies have to say no. And is this just the start, do you think? Can we be more radical as an industry when it comes to the pitch process? Is there more to come? I really hope so. I think that we've seen a lot of change happening in the last couple of years. I think there's a lot, lot more to come. And I hope, 
as a result of the changes that are happening at some of the big networks, um, the growth of still independent agencies, the real change that's happening in the market, that we will be able to evolve even more the pitch process. We can make it even more relevant and um, you know, we'll, we'll get it as good as we possibly can. Now, of course, the Oyster Catchers does more than just agency search and selection. Uh, you work, I know you work across marketing models, you look at ways of working with clients, you do training programs for them. Tell us, what issues are keeping our clients awake at night, Suki? Do you know, in, in many ways, the same thing. So I've got uh, a new client, actually, we've just a retail client. We've just started work this week on a, on a big transformation of their marketing team. We need to cut some costs, we need to be more effective, we need to be more efficient, and we want to be loved. We want our people working for us to love being here. We want our agencies and suppliers to love working with us. We want better creativity. We want to put data and digital at the heart of what we're doing. So in many ways, everything has changed and nothing has changed. They still want that. That's what they're all looking for. Um, it's, uh, it's increasing. It's becoming uh, more complex. Uh, but it's absolutely still there. And marketing, thankfully, is now rising up the ladder in the value chain, so to speak, within big companies. So you're seeing increasing numbers of marketing execs on the board, thank goodness. Do you know what? I was with Corn Ferry and their board practice uh, a week or so ago and talking to them about exactly that. They said in the first quarter of this year, they have had more briefs to put marketeers onto the board than they have in the last three years in one quarter, which is brilliant. Hallelujah. Absolutely hallelujah. Um, diversity, which we haven't really touched. Um, you know, one of the massive benefits of having more diverse boards is that uh, they, they want to have more women on the board. A lot of women have got more of a marketing background, which is fantastic. So, you know, and digital and that customer focus. So putting customer on, onto the board is really helping both in exec and non-exec. So I think that's a, that's a really, really good place to be going. And if I may, I'm just gonna touch on diversity since you brought it up. Is that something that you're seeing clients demand more of now from their agencies? Absolutely. You know, we have now, we, we were very public about um, the fact that we now always put diversity stats onto all our, our, our RFIs, we, mm. we should say RFIs anyway, <laughs> all our information that we talk to clients about. Um, we are, uh, you know, there is controversy about the, pender, the gender pay gap stat. Mm -hmm. So that being aside as to whether that is or isn't the right stat to measure, the point that we are focusing on the gender pay gap and on diversity is really important. So with the caveat of that, we are using those figures um, in, in all the pictures that we're doing and also in the work that we're doing around restructuring marketing departments, in the way that we're looking at training. We've brought in some new diversity training modules so a lot of our, which is fantastic, I'm very excited about. So, you know, um, and we're doing that face-to-face uh, -face at the moment, but there'll be some online as well. So, yeah, I, I think that it is slow, but I think we've seen a lot more change in the last 18 months, and I am very hopeful that we're going to see more of that coming forward. Yeah, lots to do, but certainly um, several steps in the right direction, and yeah, long may that continue. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, finally. Um, what advice would you give to those working in the new business discipline today? Do you know, I think there's one for themselves and internally, and then there's one externally. I think, I think now, m more than probably ever before, but certainly for a long time, the new business function in agencies is really, really important. Because, you know, when I was in a, a new business director and my last job was at TBWA, happened to be, um, 
we were the kind of heart of an agency because we were the people going out there and getting, bringing new clients and clients being transformation. We were the people talking about things like diversity. Well, we weren't talking about it then, but you know, how do we as an agency run ourselves? How do we get our people and our, our clients happy? How do we be really focused? And I still believe that the new business function is really, really integral to doing that. And as things change a lot, they are the people who can look out and bring that in. So big tick to new business people and feel really confident and proud of yourselves because you are really critical to the market and really critical to the agencies. I think externally, um, you know, you, you do this brilliantly, but love your clients. It's really hard being a client and they're very, very busy. You know, the fact that, and I've said this for always before, it always amazed me when I started doing this job. We used to say, oh yeah, of course, we're only a tiny bit of the client's conversation, aren't we? You know, it is absolutely true. We are a very tiny bit. The whole pitch, the whole agency, the whole partnership with agencies is a tiny bit of a CMO's role. And therefore, if you're trying to have a conversation with a client, you've got to be really resilient, you've got to be really persistent, and you've got to be really relevant. So if you, as a new business person, can enable that to happen, um, then you're going to be really successful. Suki Thompson, thank you very much indeed. It has been a pleasure. You've been listening to the IPA's New Business Diaries. Get more information on the IPA New Business and Marketing Group, our podcasts and a host of other information at the IPA's Networker site, www.ipanetworker.com. Join us next time when we'll be speaking to IPA President Sarah Golding.